Welcome to this week's Selk Grassroots Podcast, The Saturday Manager, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Searching for players? Searching for clubs? Find players and clubs near you right now on MatchHark. Playing football could never be easier. Download MatchHark on Google Play or visit our website at matchhark.com. Truly a great match. MatchHark. Keep it simple. Get down to play today. The UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Saturday Manager. I'm your host, Mick Pusick, and manager of Bride and Ropes Reserves, who play Kent County Division 1 West. In this week's episode, our guest will be head coach Stuart Biggs of Bride and Reserves. We'll look at all things Bryden, our season so far, and we'll also discuss in a bit more detail his experiences training on the UEFA B course. We'll have a look at last Saturday's results and how that affects the league tables and standings, and we'll take a look ahead to next weekend's fixtures and make some predictions. So without any further ado, let's have a look back at last week. We were preparing for our fixture against Belvedere FC, uh, we had played them just before Christmas um, at home and it was quite a good game. They're very competitive. Um, we managed to come away with a 4-2 victory on the day. I think from our point of view, we felt the victory was, was well-deserved on the game uh, we played. Um, we had very good possession. Um, we had a lot of the ball in their half. They were difficult to break down. They are quite um, solid defensively. Um, we were going into the last few minutes, I think maybe 4-1 up. And I seem to recall one of our players was injured and, and sitting down quite deep in our in our end. And uh, the rest of the defence didn't quite realise it. So a ball went through and they all stopped with their arms up for offside, not realising that, in fact, one of our players was sitting on the pitch still. So therefore playing them on and, and they, they grabbed the goal back at, right at the death. So it finished 4-2. But we were happy with the result and we were happy with the performance. It was definitely a step forward for us at that time. Um, so taking away from that was we knew that they were quite a hard team to break down and it wasn't going to be an easy game playing away. Um, we know their pitch is not, uh, not very similar to ours in the sense that ours is you know perfectly flat and it's Astro 3G. So we can play a good passing game on it. And we knew we'd have to play the conditions a little bit because obviously the time of year it is, and playing on the grass. So we had a good training session. Uh, Wednesday, we had a really good turn up, which was great because the week before, as I mentioned, it wasn't so good. Um, but we had about 18 this week and we had half the pitch again. So we had um, everything available to us to set up and really work on our shape and game plan for, for the game. And uh, Stuart did a good job working with the team. Um, there was one or two things we wanted to focus on in particular which we did, and the lads seemed to get the message across quite well. So we, we left the session feeling well prepared and, and looking forward to the game on Saturday. So rolling forward to Saturday, um, it was away at Belvedere. They play on Woolwich Road, which is kind of upper Belvedere area. Um, when we arrived, we'd done a quick pitch inspection just to see what we'd be, we'd be up against. And um, I don't know if you've been there or not, but it, it's one of those pitches that it's quite an advantage to the home team um it kind of slopes from goal to goal so you you're either playing uphill or you're playing downhill um and those sorts of pitches do i feel 
give an advantage to the home team that are used to playing that way every week. Um, second to that, obviously, with the weather, we've had a lot of um, rain and then dry. The pitch was quite hard and firm. It was a bit uneven underfoot. So it was difficult to play anything on the ground, really. And then to top it all off, there was a bit of a swirling wind that kind of blew across the pitch. So between the hill, the, the, the ground surface and the swirling wind, it was a very difficult um, game to, to, to play on or perform on. And probably unsurprisingly, it finished nil-nil. And I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy that from the performance and the chances created that that's probably a fair reflection on the day. And, and I'm sure Belvedere would agree. I think both teams had some chances. We had, we had a really big chance where, unfortunately, the referee wasn't in the right position. But one of our players is, you know, I'm, I'm in line with it. So I know it's correct. One of our players gets brought down two yards, two yards inside the box. Um, you know, and the ref sees it, blows, and we think, great, penalty, you know, here we go, nil-nil, let's get the let's get the lead and sort of, you know, we can then sit back a little bit, let them work harder and hope for some gaps to come. If we get the penalty, that is, and the referee's blown up and pointed for a free kick. So he's given it on the edge of the box. Um, it's one of those where you're just scratching your head as a coach because we're standing 30 yards away. And it wasn't close where they're running into the box and they get brought down. He's in the box, well in the box, and two players um, combine on him and, and, and it's a clear foul. But unfortunately, from his view, from his angle, he's seen it differently. So we get the free kick on the edge of the box anyway. Um, we drive a nice one in really low. We follow it up and um, hit the crossbar. So that was probably our biggest chance of the game. Um, there wasn't too much in the boxes for either team, really. I think Belvedere had a, a good opportunity maybe late in the second half where they've got through our centre-backs one-on-one -one with the keeper. Um, and Reese has come out really um, big and kind of dived down. They've tried to sneak it under him. And luckily, he's um, just got down in time. It's one of those where it's kind of the ball's got trapped under his bum a bit and then he's kind of turned around and managed to smother it. So... I think that was fair to say that's probably their biggest chance in the game. So it finished nil-nil, honours even. Um, it's another point on the board for us, which we're very happy with. And, um, you know, we'll take every point we can get. And looking ahead now, you know, we've got four games over four weeks and then that's our season. And we've got some really big games there. So it is an exciting end to the season. We're playing, you know, Bexley, Club Langley, Metrogas, Crayford. So we've got a nice end to the season and, and really good teams to measure our progress against and, and we can see, you know, we can see how far we've come really, I think, over the last three months with the squad and the work that we've done. So we really look forward to uh, to uh, seeing those games through and uh, seeing where we get to at the end of the season. So coming up next is an interview with our guest this week, Stuart Biggs, Riding Ropes Reserves Head Coach. Welcome. We're now welcome to the show, Stuart Biggs, who's head coach at Bryden Ropes Reserves. Welcome to the show today, Stuart. How are you doing? I'm very well, mate. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, it's great to finally get you on. So as many of you know, Stuart is um, head coach over at Bryden with me and we've worked together for many years. So it's good to have a chat with you on the show and kind of share some of your experience and background um, with Bryden and obviously before as well. Pleasure so to be 
So let's get started with that then. So originally, I know we met probably about four or five years ago in junior football. Um, but before that, I know you've been coaching on for a bit, for a little while before that. So how did you first um, come into coaching? What, what piqued your interest? Um, well, I f- my first coaching course, uh, I actually did 1992, 93 when I was a student. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it, it's, it's fair to say it's very different then to how it was now. At the time, you had a guy called Charles Hughes who was running the coaching at the FA. Mm-hmm. And his philosophy was basically most goals are scored when two or three passes are made and no more than that. And basically his, his philosophy was get the ball in the box, just go long, get the ball in the box. And it was a thing called position of maximum opportunity was the phrase he used. So basically, it was really long ball. And um, the, the course that I did was actually at Meridian, which is obviously where we are now at Bryden. Uh, yeah. And it was, oh, there were loads and loads of people there doing the course. There were hardly any tutors. It was just, um, I, I don't know. I, I failed the course and that probably colours my how I saw it, but it just didn't feel very good. And that kind of put me off of coaching for, for many years. Um, I just wasn't interested. And I didn't want to, you know, play long ball football and just get it in the box and, yeah. Um, and the course wasn't the best. It wasn't well run. It wasn't well organised, in my opinion, anyway. So was, uh, that like, was that an FA run course? Yeah. Or... Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. What, London FA at the time? Uh, yeah. So it was a London FA course. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think you had your level ones, twos or threes then, but it was basically an introductory course. Yeah. Um, it was still assessed. Um, you had, it was like a 15 minute assessment. That mm. Basically, there was about 45 other coaches there. So yeah. you didn't have enough time. Um, you just had to get on there, do 15 minutes and hope you, you reach the standard, which obviously right. I, I didn't pass that course. But that's it, quite it, insightful, really, because that's, that's what, 30 years ago now? Yeah. And um, even on the level one, I think the level one's kind of 35 hours of, of training, four weekends. So yeah. back in the day, it was it was very much a, an afterthought, just a quick, you know, get, yeah. get as many in as you can at the same time. And Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So obviously now the level ones, well, when I did the level one, I'm assuming it's still the same, but it wasn't assessed. Mm. So it was a really, really good introduction. Um, the reason I, I came back into coaching is that my my son, my youngest son's team, he was playing at Teviot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was kind of going along and watching him play and then thinking perhaps I could use the knowledge. I mean, I played grassroots football for many years. Perhaps I could help out with the team there. So um, that was when I thought right okay let's give it another go so what happened was I went to Teviot and Jim Dole um, who's an absolute legend at the club at Teviot he runs the tots there and mm-hmm. so I started helping him out with the tots on a Saturday morning and I, I loved it the, the kids it's sort of five to seven year olds and they're so enthusiastic they just you know they run around they chase after the ball all of them but it was great fun and then mm-hmm. someone said well you know if you want to get into coaching you need to start doing the courses um, so I put in for the level one and I did that at, at Millwall with... So what uh, sort of time was this thing? Going to, we started in 92 when you took your first yeah, look so, at it. <clears throat> yeah, this is 20 years on. So this was 2014. Okay. Yeah. I thought, right, okay, let's give it another go then. Um, and the level one course was Louise Newstead. who used to play, she played at a really top level for Millwall. Um, mm. And the course was just, it, it was like chalk and cheese to the first one. It was well-organised. You know, there was not that many people there. You had plenty of time. You know, the, the support you got from Lou was really good. 
And I just thought, yeah, do you know what? I wish I'd done this years ago. I wish I'd tried it, you know. Yeah. So it moved ago. more to like the kind of like they, I'm guessing by that point, the FA were using their kind of four corners um, yeah. approach to training. Which yeah. Tries, I'm, I'm trying to remember now. It was kind of physical, psychological, yeah, technical. Yeah, technical, te <clears throat> social. Yeah, so it's the four social, corners. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it, so it's more of a holistic approach. You're looking at the at the at the player as a as a person, and not just yeah. a football product. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's all about getting to know the player. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, you you you're going to pick up the technical knowledge that you know the the psychological side of things you can build on and develop, and the mm -hmm. social side. But it is. It really does focus then on on you know how can you develop that player, getting to know that player, and how you develop them. Um, and and also, of course, it's not just the player, but it's the team. It's about developing the team as well. Yeah, um, so, yeah. So really, so the, by that stage, I was, I was, I really was keen to carry on and get on with doing other courses. By then, but oh, great. After that, then you start doing the assessed ones. So you you you've been doing a bit of junior coaching with Tots at, at Teviot, You say on a Saturday morning. Yeah. That then led you into doing your your, your uh, level one course. Um, so once you took that, did that. So did you go further into coaching or did you continue? Yeah, so, so, yeah. So, I mean, when you're coaching the tots, that doesn't really, I mean, it's not really coaching. It's just having a bit of fun with them and getting them enjoying football and get, you know, getting their love for the game. Introduction to it really, isn't it? Yeah. And, and they're brilliant at that age, aren't they? The ball's yeah. like a magnet. You, you knock the ball yeah. and all of a sudden you've got like 12, uh, six-year-olds just all after the ball running around. Yeah. And it's lovely. It is lovely to see. But like you say, if you want to apply kind of some of the knowledge that you're getting from your, your courses then you probably need to move up a little bit to in the age groups just so they're a bit older and they've got a bit more concentration and a, and a little bit more understanding of you know what you're trying to pass on to them I guess yeah and uh, and also um you've got to if you're going to start doing the the, the later on the courses that your level twos your level threes you need to be coaching 11 aside teams really as well so mm -hmm. certainly for your level three you do so mm -hmm. so yeah I know I knew I had to kind of progress from there. I had to move on to coaching in the levels of side football. So I then helped out. Um, I helped out Darren at Tevia, who was my son's manager, so my youngest son. So I started helping him out for a couple of seasons, um, and then I did like I did my youth module. Uh, did you move that to level two before that or after the um, work with Darren's team? So I think I did the the level two. Um, whilst I was with Darren's team. Okay, so he's kind of getting hands-on experience with the team yeah. and, and doing the course. So how, how did you find the level two? Was that um, a step up from the yeah, level one? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I mean, for a start, you're assessed at the end of the week. Um, so, you know, that's the first kind of assessment that I'd done. So you, you, I mean, it's a, you do a number of weekends, it's more involved, it's more complicated. Yeah. You've got put a lot more, you know, preparation and stuff into it. Can you remember, it's probably a few years ago now, I mean, how long it took you to do that? Was it oh, over think, the course of months or was it over the course of weeks? Yeah, it was months. It was, it was, I mean, you could do, I think you had the options of doing, I mean, week courses and things like that, or, you know, a week and a few more days. But I think from memory, it was something like four or six session four days so spread over weekends so i think probably six would be more likely from memory but um yeah so it was spread over a period of months and it was done so every saturday sunday for a few months uh, and that was it that was at millwall that i did that one 
Oh, really? All right, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's been enjoyable for you. Yeah, I was going home, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and obviously, as well as learning on these, you know, for people that haven't done the course and thinking about it, as well as um, gaining knowledge on the technical side of the game, you also get insights into kind of, you know, psychological and social things that could be affecting players as well, which is good, you know, good insight. Um, but outside of that also, there's other things that the FA want you to have, you know, like a, a first aid course so you get to have the training because you never know in, you know, semi-contact sports, anything can happen really, can't it, in a game? Yeah. And I know together we've seen all sorts of injuries, um, some minor and some serious over the, over the years. So it's definitely handy to have that knowledge as well. And safeguarding, as you mentioned, you know, it's an important part of it. So all FA coaches get um, vetted and safeguarded to make sure that there's nothing underlying there that would otherwise stop a coach from um, being around, you know, young or vulnerable people. So it, it's kind of the whole the whole package is there, isn't it? So that you've got yeah. confidence as a coach that you know what you're doing and parents have got confidence that whoever this chap is or, or lady that's coming up to coach the team that weekend, they've got the all the accreditations and they're they're fine as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a part of the course that you do your safeguarding. You, you know, if you if you're going to coach um, in football now anyway, you're generally going to need your DBS done, and you're going to, you know, they expect you to do safeguarding courses and everything. So yeah, so that's a big and it's an important part of it as well, as you say. It's, uh, if you're going to be coaching, especially if you're coaching in youth football, then that's essential that you have that knowledge and that, and you do have some first aid knowledge as well. It's you know, and and as we found out, sadly, it's. You know, sometimes you do get some serious injuries, unfortunately. You do with football, unfortunately. You know, if you're there long enough and you, you coach enough games, sooner or later there's going to be something that happens, isn't there? Unfortunately, clash of heads or, you know, whatever it can be. But um, these yeah. things do pop up. So it's nice for you and, and for the coaches to have a little bit of confidence that they know what to do and the processes to to kind of help make sure that they get that first aid that they, they need at that time. So you're coaching along then. So you're with... Um, with with uh, Teviot and what age group would that be at the time, Stuart? When you when, that, when you just finished your level two? Yeah, so that would have been when they were about fifteen. 15, okay, right. um, nice age then, group. Yeah, and then um, then you get they sort of start to lose interest. Some of the players don't know they they discover when they get to sort of seventeen, eighteen, they discover going out with their friends, and um, so that Darren, the, the manager there, was really good. Um, he he had a really sort of involved job and so it was getting a bit quite a lot for him to do so he gave up and I was more than happy to help someone run the team mm. I've been able to commit to doing it because of my own work commitments so yeah. that unfolded and that was when uh, yeah obviously I came along to Junior Reds which yeah was, was another really well-run club that I, I you know I absolutely loved coaching there yeah and that was my first uh experience of coaching was at Junior Reds. I think I'd done a season there at under 14s, which would have been probably when you were with um, Darren's team at Teviot. Yeah. And then, as you're saying, I think um, through a mutual contact, one of our players we had um, um, was a uh, parent knew you and said, oh, you know, I was kind of doing a lot of the coaching on my own at the time. And he said, you know, there might be an opportunity here. And that's where we kind of, got introduced to each other wasn't it around the under under 16 season I think so yeah. that would probably been going back about eight or nine years now wouldn't it so yeah it's quite a number of years um so we met there at junior reds and I know a lot of the story there so we were kind of um coaching away under 15 under 16 under 17s together and then there was a bit of a pause wasn't there after junior football 
and yeah. uh, we kind of I think there was about a season a season or so out and then we met up again uh, in senior football at Welling didn't we I, uh, yes. yeah, I got in touch with you there yeah. so <laughs> yeah. how, how did you find it um, coming over to senior football um, yeah I enjoyed it. Uh, it it's it's kind of when they're teenagers and they're getting to 16 or 17, they are starting to lose that focus a little bit and um, losing that little bit of interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other things coming into their, you know, it's into their lives that, that are taking up some of their commitment and that. So it's moving on, to, moving on to adult football and it's people that kind of want to be there. You know, they, they're desperate to play football. You know, they're generally they're, they're passionate about the game as well. Um and so, yeah, it was kind of very different, but in lot, you know, in lots of ways, I loved absolutely coaching junior football and junior players and developing them. Um, but I think adult football, I was ready for that challenge, that challenge where, you know, people where it's almost as if the the result is as important as the coaching as well. Whereas in junior yeah. football, it's more let's just try and develop these players. And you yeah. can, and if you're the coach, I think perhaps the managers tend to worry more about the results. But I think as a coach you're just focusing on what your 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 role is you know just your aspect of what you need to do for the team which is just about developing players and then when you get to adult football it becomes it's like that challenge is okay we've really got to develop the players but actually we've got to try and get some wins here as well because yeah yeah adult players they if they if they have two or three losing seasons then they won't stick around they'll go somewhere else no it's right i mean when you when you're at junior football, you, it, the focus very much is on um, player development, and, and and obviously, you know, when you get into senior football, there's an element of improving players. But you'd hope by the time they come to you at like you know over eighteen or twenty that they've had the development work and and they've got the basics, and then it's kind of just growing from there. But you are really then into the competitive stage of football. You know, it's not just about oh we've we've we've, we've it's not just about players getting better and results improving but you're still losing you are you know at the end of the day when you get to um certain levels now you know people will get another coach if their results aren't right you know clubs have an expectation of 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 uh, where they want to be and there is an element of that isn't there you know it's not just a case of being good enough to just turn up and think you know there's lots of people that will want to take your job and and do what you're doing as well yeah, absolutely. You you won't stay at a club for long in adult football if you you just keep losing. It just won't happen. You know, they'll they'll get rid of you. The players or you know they'll, they'll express that to to the management at the club that actually we think we could do better with someone else. Yeah. So you 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 do have to consider that it is an important part of it. And I mean, let's face it: if you're playing football, I've not met many people in football that aren't desperate to win. <laughs> so. It's about getting that balance right, isn't it? It's about getting a balance where you are developing the players, you are making it, a, you know, an environment where they want to turn up for training and they enjoy it, but also you want to win. Yeah, and even at the top level, you know, we're saying the development still goes on. If the player's 20, 21, 22, 23, you can still teach them. There's still bits of the game, you know, they might technically be fine, but there'll be areas or maybe it's positioning or how they, how they what things that they're doing off the ball, or, you know, all sorts of things that you can watch on a Saturday and kind of pick up on and work with them on. So you can improve players. But when we're talking about development, I'm mainly probably just my side of it, talking about developing technical skills, you know, because by the time you're 20, you know, how you your touch, your, your pass and, and, and all of that stuff, it should be there, I think. But, you know, maybe I'm a bit of a dinosaur in that. But I, but I do think there are bits that you can definitely add with experience. And, um, and that's the kind of thing, whereas... 
you know, for me as a manager, managing point of view, you know, I know what I want to get out of the players and I know how I want to set up and I know what we want. But having a partner like yourself as a coach that's got the experience of doing the work on the pitch, you know, on a, on a, on a Wednesday night, that's invaluable. You know, that really helps. You know, we have that conversation, don't we, where, you know, it's what we're going to do this week. And it's like, well, you know, we need to work on this for this game. We know what their threats are. And then having someone like yourself there to set it up and make it happen, which is really brilliant, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean I think that works well. We especially now we've got the we've got the the games filmed where we can really really drill down and look at okay, what did we do well there? What do we need to work on? And I think every, every week we we do exactly the issue that we, you know, identify from the game or something that we need to improve on, something that we need to address. And then we'll both go on and do it on the Wednesday at training. So, you know, the, yeah. the link is, and, and and what the filming does is it allows you to identify what the issue was because it's not always, sometimes, in, you know, in the heat of battle and also you're kind of on the pitch level with the players. It's, sometimes you can't always see the depth and where players' positions are and stuff. Whereas yeah. when the filming that we get done, you get that. And that, I find that so useful. And that, and I think, as you say, you, you know, we identify exactly what we need to work on and that's what we will then go on to do at training on Wednesday. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, the the the, the systems we use now, they've moved on so much with technology, you know, that even at our level of football, we can get some really good analytics out of the games. You know, in the past, if you recorded, we've recorded games before, you know, and filmed them. But it's a video, you know, it's a it's a digital recording. You're just following the game through, and you can pick bits up, pause, freeze frame. But the software now, you know, it kind of you get a highlights reel. It shows your corners, goals. It shows free kicks. It shows everything for you. You get a lovely um, reel of stats, so you can even see, you know, possession and shots and, and all of that, which I think would probably have only been available to higher up the league, semi pro to pro teams ten years ago. But all of a sudden, technology has meant that we, we've got access to that kind of data as well. And and it does. You're right. You know, I watch a game and, and you kind of see an, an issue is that we've conceded a goal or something's not gone right. But you're focusing on maybe the free kick taker and the wall, but you're not really noticing what the players are doing outside of that. So looking, looking at it back, you can really get some good... Um, notes out of that and you can share that with the players directly so that they can see and go oh yeah you're right that was that wasn't right and then next time when they're in that position they kind of do um they they, they do understand and they might be they maybe react a bit better to it than they would have done the first time yeah absolutely and i think it's telling as well that in our league you know it's not just us that film games there's a lot of other teams that do it as well so yeah you know. Even if it is, not- yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It was a rarity. Now it's kind of like you've got like tripods next to tripods. Everyone's filming it for for whatever reason. But yeah, it's great. It's great to see, and um, it shows that you know it's not just a vanity thing. Oh, we're recording it because we don't put our um, videos on YouTube. We don't, you know, it's not done for that. We're doing it to improve the team. You know, we're looking at it and we share it with the players and we share it amongst the coaches. And it's just a really good tool to improve, you know, and that's 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 what we're here for, isn't it? To improve the team. Exactly. And if I if when I was a player, if I'd have had that, I would have watched every second of it on freeze frame and just to see my positioning where I was. Mm. You know, so I'd like to think our players are doing exactly the same. They're watching mm. their role in a game, you mm. know, and seeing exactly right, where was I then? Was I in the right position? Did I react correctly? Did I, you know, did I see the pass? And, it's perfect for the players as well that they can all access it and they can watch it all. 
Exactly right. So um, moving over slightly then, we'll, we'll skip forward a couple of years, but we kind of, um, you, you went on to, to take your, your way for being. It's something that I've spoken to other people about, and, and we know there's a big, long waiting list. And uh, so I just wondered if you would mind spending a few moments sort of talking through your experience with it, how you got involved, how you managed to get on uh, onto the course and when you're on it, what, what, what it was about and, you know, just a little bit of an insight into it, really. Yeah, it's um, it it was difficult to get on it in the first place. I can understand people's frustrations that that are desperate to get on and do the course. Um, and I I'd, I'd applied for a few years. I think from um, as soon as I got my level two, so 2015, 2016, I started thinking about okay, when am I going to do my 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 UA for B and how can I get on it? Um, and what happened was I, I started applying. I think 2016, 2017, and wasn't getting too far, wasn't getting accepted onto courses, and there were only limited courses at that time. Um, but my, my role, my my occupation at that time was work, working in the field of safeguarding. Um, and what I started doing was I wanted to, I was I was looking to retire from, from my job, but I was thinking about what I was going to do once I'd retired. And so I started shadowing someone who was doing safeguarding courses for Kent FA. Mm-hmm. A few to me, learning what what he you know his presentations and that and learning that and then me going ahead and being the tutor to do the safeguarding courses for the fa so um i think that was a part of why i got accepted that i was doing that shadowing it got to the stage where um i was getting ready to start delivering my own courses um and so when i was doing my applications i kind of focused a fair bit not everything obviously i did say why I wanted to do it in terms of my football reasons but I was also started to say that it was partly because my knowledge and experience in safeguarding I wanted to help the FA and utilize that experience and knowledge and it wasn't just I want to do that as a tutor you know giving these safeguarding presentations to coaches um, but I wanted to sort of bring it into the coaching role itself And so I was applying saying, yeah, because for football reasons, I want to do this. But also, I think in terms of safeguarding, it could make a difference and help. Um, And so eventually, after applying for a number of years, and I did keep pestering Neil at the FA, um, who must have got really sick of me as well when we keep contacting him. Um, But I actually got on a course. So so I finally, so it did take me several years before I actually got on the course. Um, but I, I don't know this, but I think it was that safeguarding element that maybe just tipped the balance and got me onto one of the courses. Yeah, all right, okay. But you're right, though. I mean, even people are saying, you know, it is difficult to get onto. And and, and I think what you're saying there, it proves that point um, very clearly. You know, you, you've managed to get on, but it wasn't a quick, you know, this is um, a really easy process. It's taken years and years and persistence um to keep applying and keeping on at people putting your keeping your name in front of them because yeah. um on email obviously but it, it's a tough one and i mean how many you, so you, you find so you got you got put onto the course and then do you, do you recall how many people a year could do it through london was it was it hundreds was it um thousands? No, no. I, I think there were um so on my course there were 32 people Right. My understanding was that there were only one or two courses a year. So, you know, so your it, course of 32 yeah. was the only um, group doing the B in London at that time, just 32 people at that moment in time while you were doing it. 
yeah absolutely and and of course we so i eventually got onto it and my start the first day of the course was the 23rd of march 2020 um, oh, right, great, great yeah. timing. <laughs> um, of course, that was um, that was the first lockdown. That was when I was going to say twenty third of March, wasn't it? The whole country got locked, yeah. locked, locked down. Yeah. So the course got put back. Um, you know, which was which was frustrating, but obviously much more important things were going on in the world. So just one of those things. Just had to be a little bit patient. Um, it, it wasn't delayed too badly. So we 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 started the course in the December. So what six nine months it was delayed mm -hmm. um, but it was quite strange we did it at hendon um fc and when we started we had to so we, it was the middle of winter it was december um and because of covid restrictions we had to have masks on in the classroom yeah we were split into two different groups we had to have masks on and the, the doors had to be open in the classroom so everyone's sitting in there with their, their hats on, freezing, you know, with masks on as well. So it's very, very bizarre. Yeah. It's almost something quite... British about that, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Typical, yeah. But um, yeah, it was great. It was absolutely fantastic getting on that course, and yeah, yeah. loved loved every minute of it. Yeah. So getting onto it then. So any any um anything you can share on the content, how it was set up? You know, people might be interested in hearing if you do get on when you do get on it what you can expect. I know they changed the content slightly, I guess, year to year, but um, was it kind of building on what you'd learned in the two or was there yeah. new, 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 new bits to it that you hadn't previously done? Yeah, it's, it's definitely building on the, on the two. Um, so your level two course, um, it's, you, you kind of start off and I kind of started off thinking that it would just be not too much different from the level two and you, more of the same in effect but it's not the, the 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 technical detail that you have to get across um the way that you deliver um it's just it's just so much more difficult um it's so much more challenging but also rewarding when you when you actually so when you do so what you do is you start the course you've got four blocks um and you also have to do three in situ visits where one of your tutors comes to see you at your club um, and while you're doing your blocks, you're also giving sessions then as well with, you know, with others in the group. So everyone has to do sessions actually during the training, um, free in situ visits. And then you have to do a presentation as well, um, which is 20 minute, half hour presentation to everybody um, about your journey and, you know, the process and, 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 and everything like that. So it's it's much more difficult than than the level two. Um, and when I did my first in situ visit, that was the feedback that I got was basically what you've done there is a level two, you know, training session and you need to do much more. And that was a kind of, that kind of woke me up really from thinking, oh, this is not going to be too hard. And, you know, actually it is <laughs> actually, you're going to have to improve a hell of a lot. And, and it helped. kind of is like a slap around the face, isn't it? It was, it was, yeah. but it, 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 it had the desired effect. And, um, and from there on in, I just, you know, I, I kind of grasped it and, mm. you know, and, and, uh, and it went well from after that first in situ, it went well from there and um, yeah, it worked out well, but it is my, mainly, I think the technical detail that you're trying to get out, um, someone on the the level two course um one of the tutors that i had on the level two course said that that, that the more you get into coaching the more it's not just about what's going on on the ball and it's not just about what's going on around the ball but it's away from the ball as well so basically you've got to coach all three areas 
So obviously at and around the ball are the primary focus, but you've also got to coach away as well. And that's, that's a part of the difference as well, but mainly it is the amount of technical detail that you have to get out in your sessions. Um, and one of my tutors, Jamie, was was fantastic. And how he described it is you have to have four or five pictures in your head of what you want that session to deliver, what you want to see from your players individually and as units and making sure that you get those pictures and that, that you know, that comes out in that session, you can tick off saying, yep, that's what I wanted and that's what I got. And so it's, it is much more involved, but it's, you know, it really kind of, it takes you on to another level really. Yeah, it's, I mean, more into the holistic side of the game, isn't it? You, like you say, a lot of players and I've seen managers and, you know, um, watch a game and, and they're just watching their own team the whole time. You know, what's what's my lad doing there? What's he doing there? But, part, you know, most two things, like the, what's the other team doing? You know, how many managers would within the first five minutes know what shape the opponent's got, what formation are they playing, where's their threats, who's their danger man, you know, that you learn within minutes of the game. You know, you think, well, okay, this week oh, they're playing 3 4 3 or they're 3 5 2 and we've set up this way. But a lot of times, you know, with coaches, you can see sometimes they're not really paying that much attention to what the other team are doing. It's they're very blinkered on what their own side are doing. And within that, like you say, around the ball, you know, not not what's the what are the shapes and what's going on off the ball. Because I think I think I'm right in saying that you probably only have the ball, you know, for a couple of minutes as a player. You might have the ball for a minute or two minutes in the whole game, you know, when you add it all up. Yeah. And you've probably got like 88, 88 to, you know, 90 minutes at a time where you've not got the ball at all. So a, a lot of what you do off the ball is going to be most of what you do in the game, isn't it? Exactly. That's, you know, as you say, those two or three minutes that you're on the ball, of course, that's where, you know, you you would you would want to impact and you'd make a difference. But it is the majority is what do you do when you're out of possession, when you haven't got the ball, whether it be your team is in possession mm. and you support, you know, someone or you can take up a position to be ready for a counter and stuff like that. Or when you're out of possession, when you can really work hard to win back the ball. So it is, as you say, the majority of football is what do you do when you haven't got the ball at your feet? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Either in or out of possession, quite right. So you, you went through the course and you passed, as we know. Um, we went then to, we, we did a bit more coaching together. And then last season, well, this season in, during the summer, very late on, we we um, we were fortunate enough to be in the right place and available when we saw, we heard about the Bryden um, position coming for the reserves team. And uh, we, we picked that up pretty much late August, didn't we? So I, I've got my views on it, obviously. But from your side of things, have, have you seen it from the start? Because when we came in, it was it was very late, wasn't it? There wasn't a lot of time to really no. work with the squad. So how, how have you found the season? Um, it, it was, at the start, it was one of the most challenging um, times that I've had in football. Um, in terms of, as you say, if we'd have had a pre-season... We'd get got to know our players. We'd got to kind of let them know how we want to set up and, you know, using things like how we're going to press and stuff like that. Well, that's what you can build on and kind of cement in in pre-season or all those things. And when you join so late in the day, you can't do any of that. You're kind of, you're trying to build as you go along and you're trying to learn your players, learn, you know, about your players when you're watching them playing in games, in league games, which is not yeah. ideal. So... Mm -hmm. It was very, very challenging, 
but also incredibly rewarding as well. Um, and, and what I think about, so at the start of the season, I think our first game we won against a, a strong long lane team. And I think maybe that, that kind of left us a little bit. We thought we were better off than we actually were. I think mm. our fixtures after that, we realised that maybe we were short in one or two areas. Mm. One or two players perhaps didn't share the same sort of mentality that we did about football. And so perhaps they needed to be, you know, moved on to other teams. Somewhere. Um, so, I, but when, when we had those initial games where we were losing, you know, sort of five, six nils and things like that. And you, it's difficult then for you because you know your players are not going to be enjoying that. They're not going to be enjoying losing those sorts of fi fixtures by those sorts of scores. Yeah. Uh, so you know you have to improve and you have to improve quickly. Uh, and I, I, I believe we have. Um, yeah, no, you're yeah. right. I, I mean, we had that first game away to Long Lane. We won 1-0. And then following that, we had, we lost to Welling Park 5-0. We lost to Crayford Arrows 4-0. We lost to Guru Nanak 10-0. We lost to Sporting Club Thamesmead 6-0. So the five games yeah. after that, you know, really were an eye-opener. One, not scoring any goals. And two, the amount we were conceding at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously things had to change. And I think a part of the... A part of the reason that we've improved such a lot since that time, I think, has been the mentality of the players that, that could have easily lost heart, could easily have decided, actually, I'm going to go and play at this club or I'm going to you know, try and move on there. But actually, we've got a lot of players who are good players who could play. Some could play at a lot higher level than they're playing, but they stuck with us. Yeah. And... And that's what I think that's where, where we've got to where we are now is because of those players sticking with us yeah. and believing in, in us and believing in the club. Um, yeah. And really, it's thanks to them, I feel, that we're, we're getting now in a position very close to where we want to be. I mean, we want to be challenging for promotion. Um, and I think we're getting we're getting to the stage now where we're not far off of a team that would be able to do that next season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it sounds a tall order, but like, you know, the, those six games at the start of the season were, were, were effectively our pre-season. We, we'd had yeah, one exactly. training session with the squad before the, and then we had two games. So we had one training session, then we had two games back to back, midweek and a Saturday, before our next session. And we, we, all we really knew was players' names and what positions you play, and kind of put them in. And then you really, you, you're evaluating and evaluating as quick as you can to see. Who would work? Who could who could do a job there? Maybe they think they're this sort of position, but actually, we see them more in that position, and they could do a job there for us. And and unfortunately, you know, sometimes players have been brought in that probably you know just it's not quite right for them at this time. So there's a bit of that as well. But um, yeah. I th I think that was the challenge for us, wasn't it? And for me particularly, was just to really get a feel for the squad as quickly as we could, so that we knew what where to go with it. And then work the sessions out, you know, over the season, balance, you know, get the squad balanced, but then work with them, you know, yeah. turn them into good individuals, but turn them from good individuals into a good team. And I, and I think that's... Yeah, I know. But I'm, I mean, in fairness... We're getting there this year, aren't we? I think since the start of the year, really, it, 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 we've turned that corner a little. Yeah, and I think a, a part of it was because... Brighton last season were a very different team, weren't they? The yeah. Brighton reserves, you know, had had success and a lot of the players left for, for, for one reason or another. So we were kind of almost starting from scratch. And I think that's to 
to your credit that you were able to identify areas that we needed to strengthen in and you went out and got the players to do that so yeah well there was a bit of recruitment um but it was needed like you say i think as we i touched on in, in an earlier episode that the, the you know the team pretty much the coach went um after a successful season with promotion so um a lot of the team followed the coaches they often do you know in football people yeah. you know go people work with people at the end of the day um which is understandable um but it kind of meant that on top of having a whole new squad to 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 mold and and get to grips with without a pre-season we um, we're also having to, um, you know, do that in a division higher. Um, so it was kind of, um, it, it, it made it even a bit more trickier. You know, if we was in the same division as last season and we had to make these changes, that's fine. But on top of that, we've got to try and compete against, you know, higher standard teams because um, the view of many is that, you know, once you get up to division one, there is a little jump in class and you don't really get those easy games anymore. No, and you get teams as well, I think, that have been playing together for several seasons that have had, you know, two or three pre-seasons where they've worked on stuff. And and you can see that in some of the teams that we've played, they're, they're experienced, they've been playing together a while, they all know each other's games. Um, and so, obviously, that's where we want to get to. But, you know, we, we weren't at that stage because we were such a new team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, as, and as the season's gone on, um, obviously, working with the lads... Um, have you enjoyed that on the on the training sessions and and developing the team? It's been great. It's been great to see that to see the progress that they've made through their through their hard work, through sheer determination and hard work from them, um, to see where we are now. Uh, it, it's it's been fantastic. You know, it's it's been one of the most rewarding seasons you know that I've had, and and you know I can only praise the players. They're, they're so committed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, likewise. I must say, it's it's been the best season I've had for a long time. Probably, maybe the best um, one because of the the size of the challenge, and you know, the the, the board have been great. The people there, you know, Bryden, the it's it is about people at the, uh, you know at the end of the day, and and you know we get to work with a really good committee. You know, the chairman and Clive and and the secretary Teresa and. All the guys, you know, they're they're all so supportive and, you know, touching on. We had a game um, yesterday and there was no first team game. And I think we had about six or seven of the committee there, you know, just to watch and show their support, which was really great, you know. So from that side of things, there's a really nice feel there and you want to do well for them. Um, Absolutely. A hundred percent. Clive and Teresa have made me feel so supported at that club. Um, mm. They're clearly passionate about the club. They love the club. And we've got players in the team that have been there for for years, and yeah. you know it's 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 made it's. I mean, it could have easily after those first four, five, six fixtures, you know, you thought as you said earlier on, are they going to think? Well, actually, we need to go in a different direction. But actually, mm. they've given us one hundred percent support, and yeah. I think that's helped massively. And yeah, yeah it's absolutely a pleasure. They're, they're, you know, the, the the passion and enthusiasm that they've got for the club mm. kind of rubs off on everyone. I think. Absolutely. And, and, and they were very honest with us. And they said, you know, you are rebuilding and, you know, it will take time. So from the committee's point of view, it's taken us a long time to get to Division One. So the only pressure really is we don't want to go out of Division One. We want to stay, you know, and, and then build on it from there. So next season, I think we'll have a bit more pressure, hopefully. Um, but that's great. I like that. You know, we want a challenge. And, you know, as the season's gone on at the minute, we're... 
we're sitting kind of ninth place and, you know, we're on 21 points. The relegation positions are on just three points. So I think it's fair to say that we've, we've done that first bit. We've, we're safe from uh, going down yeah. um, by quite a margin at the moment. And we've got some nice home games to look forward to. So we're, we're into our last four games of the season now and they're all at home. And we've got some doozies, you know, we've got Bexley here at top of the league. We've got um, Metrogas who are in the mix there on 36 points and they're, they're kind of chasing that second place. We've got Club Langley coming up who haven't, you know, lost, I think, for about 12, 12 games and I haven't let it go in for about eight. So yeah. we've got some really, you know, all in the mix. So it's a really exciting end to the season for us. And I don't know about you, but from my point of view, I'm like, well, OK, we, we kind of turned the corner. We've got some good results. We know we're a good team at home. You know, home advantage is really good for us because we like to play proper football through the thirds and we like to try and keep the ball well. And that kind of um, Astro, you know, the 4G lets us do that. And we really do get our best performances. So it's I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, have we bridged that gap? How close are we going to get to these teams for next season? And then we can kind of, you know, have a view on it. So I'm really excited for the finale. Yeah, absolutely. Four four tough games against good teams. Um, yeah. And I think uh, it will tell us how, how far we still... You know, I don't think we're we're quite there yet in terms of being a team that can be top four looking for promotion. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we're a million miles away. And I think these next four games are going to tell us how much further we've got to kick on. Well, exactly right. It's going to let us know what we've got to do for, for the summer, where we yeah. need to work and where we need to improve, whether it's obviously improving the players we've got and, and getting that cohesion again. Because, you know, we've gone through a lot of players. You, you have to, you know, sometimes you have to kiss a, a few frogs before you find a prince and... You know, looking at the amount of players we've used this season in, in in our team, you know, we're pushing 58, 59 players this season. Yeah. So it'd be nice to get that halved next season, you know, keep the players, keep the squad, maybe add one or two. But I think the squad's there. And when we are fit, you know, I think we, we, we've got a good squad now. We've, we've got a lot of players out at the moment. You know, we, we lost three key players last week's game that couldn't play for us yesterday. We've got three key players that have been out on long-term injury and we've only really been fortunate enough to have them all together maybe once or twice. And when we've had that and we've had that strength in depth on the bench to bring on, um, we've looked terrific. Yeah. Yeah, I think our, our, our first eleven is very strong. If everyone's fully fit, um, then, you know, then we can compete with anyone in that league. Absolutely. Mm. Um it's just one or two players who we can we can we can develop, we can improve. You know, we've got some young players at the club um, that I think are going to be really good, um, really good going forward. But they need to get that experience and and you know some playing time. But you can't just throw them in at the deep end. It doesn't work when you're playing at, at the level that we're playing at. So we have to gradually develop them and bring them along. Um, but I'm confident that we will. And you know, once we've got that sort of those four or five you know, players that are ready to, to kick on, they can, they can start on the bench and give us half an hour or 45 minutes here and there. But it then gives us that strong 16 that you're going to need if you, you know, if you want to challenge at the top, you've got to have that really strong 16 in my view. And uh, and, and, it, and, and the good thing from us, from our point of view as well, is that, you know, our season is finishing early. Um, we, you know, because we've got the Astro, I think we've had the benefit of having hardly any home games um, postponed with the weather. So the next four weeks, and we'll be done in March. So from a 23-24 season point of view, 
you know, we, we, we can get some friendlies in. We play, there'll always be play, clubs that have got weeks off during the season. So I think we can really look at, um, start our start our pre-season plans and kind of developing and looking at players and giving some of those players um, that need more minutes, more minutes now, because we'll have the friendly opportunities to do that. In. And uh, I think that's going to be a really good bonus for us um, as we prepare for the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That pre-season will be, will be really important. It'll be, it'll give us a, a massive lift as well to kind of get everybody, you know, so we can develop things that we needed to develop and, you know, progress where we needed to progress. And, uh, and having that will, I'm confident we're, we're going to have a really good season next season. 100%. Yeah. I'm very confident too. Well, Stuart, listen, all I can do is I want to thank you for your time today. It's been great hearing a bit more about the um, UEFA B because so thus far, nobody that I've spoken to has managed to get on it. So it was good, it was yeah. good to find someone that finally did and, and get some insight into it and maybe a few um, tips there for others, you know, about keeping that persistency going. Um, don't take no for an answer, basically. Keep pushing yeah. and um, give as best a case as you can for yourself, you know. Really try and make yourself stand out from the other candidates because there are a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's been great talking about Bryden. And it's been great um, hearing your thoughts on the season so far. Yeah, thank you, Mick. Been an absolute pleasure. All the best, Stuart. I'll see you. I'll see you soon. Take care. Take care, then. Thanks now. Bye-bye. Thanks again, Stuart. So let's have a look now at last weekend's classified results for Saturday, the 25th of February, Kent County, Division 1 West. Belvedere FC nil, Bryden Ropes Reserves nil, Club Langley two, Metrogas nil, Crayford Arrows one, Long Lane four, Crockenhill nil, Bexley six, Equinocchial two, Banson Sports nil, and Sporting Club Thamesmead two, South East Athletic one. So let's have a quick look back then over the predictions we had for those games. Um, Belvedere against ourselves. Although I didn't say it at the time, I was hopeful that with the, um, the, the sort of form we had recently and the performance we had against them at home, that we may be able to take away three points from that. Um, but in actual fact, as I kind of mentioned earlier in the, in the chat, um, the grounds and the conditions weren't great for, for playing football really. And I think that kind of cancelled out any any advantages that we may have hoped to have had. And Belvedere were very strong on the day, I must say, and, and gave a really good account of themselves. So I think both teams are full value for the draw there. Uh, Club Langley, Metrogas, um, result was 2-0. I had that down as 2-1. So I got the result correct there. Um, and Club Langley, obviously, doing really well, um, keeping the streak going. Crayford, uh, Long Lane, I had that as a 2-1 win to Long Lane, so I got the result correct again, but uh, Long Lane had a really good uh, game there, scoring four goals, um, and they seem to be finishing the season very well. Uh, Crockenhill, Bexley, that was actually a 6-0 away win for Bexley. I had that as a 3-0. Um, the reason for that, I know Crockenhill been shipping a few goals here and there, but gen generally they seem to concede more away on the travels they're a lot a lot more solid unit at home um so that's a really good result for bexley and they won't do their goal difference any harm either as they're looking um, to secure those one of those top two places 
at the end of the season. Uh, Equinocchial 2, Dancer Sports 0. I had that as a 3-0. So again, correct result. I'm not doing too badly this week on the results, but uh, the score just out slightly there. But Equinocchial on a really good run in 2023 and um you know may make a late charge yet for the uh for the top places and then final fixture was sporting club thamesmead against southeast athletic um that finished 2-1 and i had that as a 3-1 to um sporting club so i wasn't far off again and and, and again a correct uh, result so a pretty good week for me there i think i've got all of the results correct other than our own game so so make of that whatever you will. So let's have a look over the league table and see how those results affected the standings. So in first place still are Bexley, 19 played, 44 points. Second place, Welling Park, 19 played, 40 points. Third place, Equinocchial FC. Then Metrogas, Club Langley, Long Lane, Sporting Club Thamesmead, Dance and Sports, Riding Ropes Reserves, Crayford Arrows, Belvedere, and in the bottom two places still are Southeast Athletic and Crocken Hill. So as we said last week, the table really is shaping up nicely. Metrogas's charge continues. Um, I want to say that's 12 or 13 games um, in a row now without a defeat. So they've certainly... Um, been hitting the form um, since the beginning of the year and probably going into the uh, end of last year. Um, they're sitting quite nicely now. They're fifth place, but they've got four games in hand. Um, so they're six points off of second place. And um, I want to say 10 points off of first place. So with those um, four games in hand, they're still it's still within their reach. So they could yet make a push for those uh, top places. Um, Metrogas uh, sitting fourth, 17 played. So they've got two games in hand on Welling Park and they're sitting there on 36 points. So they're within reach as well. Um, Equinocchial, they're third place, but they played more games than the teams immediately below them. They're on 19 played, the same as Welling Park, and three points behind. Um, in our league, we're going to play up to 24 games. So there's still five games to go for the top three and um, nine games to go for Club Langley. So they've got a lot of, uh, a lot of football to play there. Um, looking down towards the bottom of the table, obviously uh, our result against Belvedere gives them another point. So they're sitting directly above the relegation places um, on eight points from 20 games. So Southeast Athletic, just behind them, are on 18 played and three points. So those games in hand are critical and... The, and they do need to start making those count now, I would say. And likewise, Crockenhill, um, they've got 16 played and two points. Um, and looking at the games coming up, I think Southeast Athletic and Crockenhill do have to play each other twice. So, you know, if they can count those as their games in hand, potentially, you know, if one team or the other can can get the, the two wins there, then that could be enough to um, take them out of the um, relegation spots and get them into into the safety position of 11th. So there's definitely a lot of football to be played. The division's really heating up. It's a really good division at both the top, you know, from fifth upwards, all vying for the uh, top two. And, you know, there's a nice little um, relegation battle warming up, particularly with Southeast Athletic and Crock and Hill still to play each other. 
So that's how the league looks. So let's take a look ahead now to next week's fixtures and we'll try and put some predictions to those, see if I can have a, as good a week as I have had this week. So Bryden Ropes Reserves are at home v Bexley. Crayford uh, Arrows v Crockenhill. Banson Sports v Belvedere. And Long Lane v Club Langley. So starting off with our game, Bryden were at home to Bexley. Bexley obviously top of the league, really going well. You know, great result for them last week, uh, winning 6-0 away. Um, we, we're hoping to have an improvement on our performance. We played them our first game back and probably the same for them as well, to be fair. We was away, but we played the first week of January and because of the Christmas break and our fixtures finished right at the beginning of December, we've gone pretty much a month um, without any football and training. So we didn't come back to what too, too great on that game. We lost 4-0. I was actually ill that day. So I managed to make the first half, uh, which I thought we were pretty good in. Uh, we, we, we came in 1-0 down and it was just a, a really good strike from, from distance that kind of caught the keeper um, unaware. But other than that, I thought on, on performance and on sort of possession and looking at the game, it was a pretty even first half. Um, second half, I, I looked back on the VO footage and, and funny enough, the footage ran out at 80 minutes. I'm not quite sure what happened because I wasn't there. But it was still 1-0 up to the 80. So they, we, we've conceded three pretty late goals there, um, and which is a sign of a good team as well. You know, the good teams kind of wear you down and they can get the goals in the, in the last five minutes to, to win games. But we have, the, we have done really well since that time. I think we've had a really good February. Um, the players we've brought in over the last couple of months are doing well and the team is gelling. Um, so we're looking for an improvement. We have got a few injuries and knocks to one or two players, which isn't isn't great for us, which maybe hurt us a little bit last week as well. We had, you know, three of three or four starters from the South East Athletic game where we did so well unavailable for us through injury last weekend. But we're hoping to have one or two of them back for uh, this Saturday. So hopefully we can um, put on a good performance and do well there. Um, Crayford Arrows v Crockenhill. Um, I'm going to go 3-0 there. I know Crayford haven't had a uh, the best of uh, games over the last few weeks, but um, I fancy them to make a little bounce back here against Crockenhill, so I'll, I'll back them on that. Um, Danson Sports v Belvedere. Again, Belvedere, a very hard unit to break down. Danson um, results, again, have tailed off a little bit compared to where they were earlier in the season. But I, I'll back them with a, a win. And I think I'm going to go, let's go 2-0 on that one. And the last fixture um, will be Long Lane against Club Langley. Um, Long Lane have been going well. They've had a you know a nice little um, win away to, to Crayford last week. Uh, I just get the feeling that Club Langley have got the bit between their teeth. And, uh, you know, they may have brought in a couple of players as well over the, over the past um, week or two. And with that in mind, I'm going to go for a 2-0 away win to Club Langley. So that brings to an end this week's episode. I really hope you've enjoyed listening to it. Have a great week in football and I hope you can join us back here next week. Searching for players? Searching for clubs? Find players and clubs near you right now on MatchHawk. 
Playing football could never be easier. Download MatchHawk on Google Play or visit our website at matchhawk.com. Truly a great match. MatchHawk. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.